uh, about 30 seconds to the top of the hour, why don't we go ahead and get started. Uh, folks, thank you very much for joining us today. For those of you who have participated in the Q&A pane and let me know where you're dialing in from, uh, we really appreciate it. i uh, love to get the juices flowing before we get things kicked off. Uh, my name is Don Cook. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at 7Signal. With me today is Eric Camulli, our uh, Customer Success Officer. Eric, welcome. Yeah, thank you, Don. Really glad to be here. Yeah, and this, this webinar topic, uh, Wi-Fi 101, our basic elements in troubleshooting, is is backed by popular demand. We we do this, I don't know, every eight weeks or so, six mm -hmm. to eight weeks. Yeah. Uh, always well-received and well-attended, so um, we appreciate you guys. For those of you who are dialing in again um, or inviting others, other comrades that you work with, always a great idea to get them all involved so they can understand the basics of Wi-Fi and, and how to troubleshoot. Um, you know, and for those of you who are new, uh, we do host these best practices webinars every Wednesday at 11 a.m. on the East Coast. We do record them and share uh, the recordings so you can pass these on to anybody you want. All you need to do is simply reply to any one of the numerous emails that you receive from me, <laughs> and I will get them over to you. Don't so, unsubscribe. And Yeah, never click the unsubscribe button. That's no. just a bad idea in no, general. I love your emails, Doug. <laughs> yeah, thank you. They're, they're, very, they're very thoughtful. I put some thought into these things. Yep. So um, we do kick these webinars off with just uh, three, four slides about 7Signal. Um, for those of you who are new, um, uh, we'll give you some background. For those of you who heard these before, maybe you'll pick something up that you didn't know. Uh, this always happens, right, Eric? We always pop in new tidbits. Um, so 7Signal's been around since 2007. We were founded by some founders, or excuse me, some employees of Nokia decided to get into the Wi-Fi space. Um, so the company was actually founded in Helsinki back in 2007, moved stateside uh, shortly thereafter in 2010 in, in uh and uh, looking for some funding and some talent and all kinds of fun stuff. That's and we've right. been here ever since. Uh, we're now in Cleveland, Ohio, where the headquarters is. Hit a lot of major milestones last year. Uh, a lot of excitement around our device monitoring. We hit uh, the 4 million mark and we crunch over a billion data points daily. So we are crunching a lot of numbers, looking at a lot of networks, looking at a lot of devices, getting a lot of information from uh, users. Uh, on their experiences and crunching that data and serving it up to our customers. We've got over 200 now uh, all over the world, um, some really great partners. A lot of them uh, have joined us today. I saw some familiar names around the world, over 30 plus partners that we have. Um, so regardless of where you're dialing in from, we probably have a partner in your uh, local territory, feed on the street. Our product is certified in over 40 countries around the world on the hardware side. And of course, our software uh, is uh, you know, up to date with all the privacy standards, especially in the EU, where GDPR is very, very important. Um, so not only do we stay relevant on the technology stack and um, the world of Wi-Fi, but also on the privacy uh, world. Uh, and we're up to 12 patents now um, for uh, our technology. So, you know, when you do hop onto a demo, um, you what you see from 7Signal, you're probably only going to see from 7Signal. So that's important to keep in mind. So 7Signal um, is here to enable the wireless world, and we do that by finding and fixing wireless issues. 
uh, and device connectivity issues. And we do that, uh, we've built an outside-in enterprise framework since 2007 and continues to expand and get better and more relevant uh, and becomes part of the network. This isn't spot fix technology. This is enterprise-grade software that comes, be, uh, it's part of your network, allows our engineers to be proactive um, with troubleshooting the Wi-Fi. Uh, completely AP and device agnostic, modular depending on the challenges our customers have. It's not one size fits all. If you've seen one wireless LAN, you've seen one wireless LAN. Um, and uh, the devices and IoT that go along with it, we understand that. So we do a, a really good job on the front end of discovery to make sure you get the right solution that you need. Um, replete with reporting, alerts, and analytics, everything you'd need from a technology standpoint. And what we're doing is we're looking for the top seven Wi-Fi problems. Every issue with the wireless LAN bubbles up to one of these seven issues, congestion, coverage, co-channel, radio interference, network services, roaming, adapters and drivers, and the, and the YLAN configuration. Um, and we do that by running active and passive tests on the network and on the devices. So we're really unique in that respect. So looking for things like throughput and packet loss, latency and jitter. All the engineers uh, get all these terms, they hear them all the time. Uh, we're, we're actually testing for those sorts of things. Uh, packet capture, giving a full spectrum analysis, adapter and driver combinations, really, really cool stuff. Um, and I mentioned the outside-in uh, framework that we have. It's important to understand the legacy approach or what a lot of folks on the line already have uh, if they're not a seven-signal customer. So you're really relying on the vendor, whether that's the device or the access point or the controller or what have you, for um, service quality information. And you've got no visibility into the end-user experience. And there are light apps out there um, sure. from manufacturers that, that are on the devices that give you some basic information. But where Seven Signal lives is on the edge of the network, at the endpoint, monitoring the air, giving our uh, engineers the ability to get to root cause analysis quickly when there's issues. And because we can go back in time, there's no more, oh, sorry, I can't uh, reproduce that problem. I don't know what you're talking about. Since we go back 90 days, you can look at that device or at that network at that point in time and see what happened with that access point. What happened with that device? Uh, or is it a more systemic issue? Um, so giving you that insight um, to take action, trending analysis, um, so you can understand what's going on with your network um, from the end user perspective. That's really, really important. Yeah, my, absolutely. And my last slide here, uh, Eric, is just going to be our, our modules. We've got two, um, Mobileye, which is our software as a service application that runs on the device itself, any Windows, Mac, Android um, device, uh, handheld scanner, uh, laptop, uh, mobile phone, uh, voice over IP device, and on and on. This uh, product installs on that device and looks for things like adapter driver combinations, roaming issues, adjacent and co-channel interference, coverage, and congestion. Sapphire Eye, Eric, is, the, is that product we brought to market back in 2007, right? And it continues to evolve and continues to expand in the market. It's our solid. And Brock Salad is right. Uh, it's a hardware, software uh, subscription. Um, these are uh, perfect clients or sensors that live up in the access points with the, ac uh, excuse me, up in the rafters with the access points <laughs> or down on a desktop um, uh, in a room uh, monitoring, uh, delivering that spectrum analysis, full packet capture, everything you would expect. So there is some differentiation between the two. I mentioned that these products are modular. So they look for different things on the device or on the network. So Mobileye obviously is, is what you're going to look for for more um, mobile type um, experience 
experience information and Sapphire I, again, part of that network that looks at more of an infrastructure. Um, so with that said, Eric, I'm gonna pass you the controls. So, okay, here we go. Um, you know, the most important thing to realize, guys, is Wi-Fi is not a mystery. I know we can't see it. We, you know, it's invisible, it's in the air, but it's not a mystery. We're gonna unlock the mystery today, okay? No magic here. So let's just get right into it. When people call in and they complain about the Wi-Fi, they're gonna say all sorts of things. The Wi-Fi is terrible, I can't connect, it disconnects, it's just really slow, what's the problem with the Wi-Fi? And it's frustrating because, you know, you look at the tools that you have today and you can't see anything wrong. And, but here and now, I'm here to tell you that we can really just break it down into these four problem areas. And these four problem areas each have some root causes that go along with them. And once we know what these areas are and what the root causes contributing to it are, then we have the information we need to remediate. So this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about client devices and how those adapters and drivers in there, those adapters and drivers actually make decisions. And if they are uh, if, if they are not performing properly, they're going to make poor decisions. They're not going to roam properly. They're going to stick. We call those sticky clients. And those aren't Wi-Fi issues. Those are client device issues. OK, now when it comes to the air, we all share the air, not just you and me, Don, but our devices are sharing the air also. And so just like if you were to walk into a city and it's polluted and it's hard to breathe, well, guess what? Your devices need air and plenty of it in order to operate properly. And so if there's if it's too noisy in the air, then we're going to have interference. And that interference is going to make it difficult to operate. Third on the list, access points. Your access points uh, are not perfect. Sometimes they get frozen, they get stuck, and it's hard to identify what's gone wrong with them. More importantly, sometimes they can get overloaded, something we call congestion. Sometimes they don't reach far enough, or maybe the fluctuation in power is such that now I've got coverage holes. Okay, it's just like on your cell phone when you're looking at the number of bars. If you don't have a lot of bars and you don't have a strong signal, you're probably going to have a poor connection. Same thing in Wi-Fi. And then finally, it could be something on the network. You know, people will call up and say the Wi-Fi is terrible and it has nothing to do with the Wi-Fi. It has to do with being able to authenticate. It has to do with being able to get an IP address. And the point here is that obviously we have a system that is gonna point to the problem. Is this a, a client device issue? Is this a wired network issue? Or is this a Wi-Fi issue? And that's the whole point here. So we're gonna talk about these things that you see on the screen as part of our Wi-Fi 101. Don, what do you say we get into it? Let's do this. All right. So let's start out with the spectrum. Okay, think about bands of air. This is my nice little rainbow here. Very and great. the bands of spectrum or bands of air, some of them are licensed and some of them are unlicensed. Licensed means that you have to pay money to the government, like the FCC, in order to operate on them. You just can't broadcast a signal, just like tuning into a radio. You know, you, what's your favorite radio station? Uh, I've listened to podcasts. Oh. Uh, you know, I kind of went out away from the radio. I know that's a bad example for you. Uh, yeah. So how about KISS FM? Okay, 90, 95.5. Yeah. Okay, outstanding. So you tune in to 95.5, all right? Nobody else is allowed to 
use that except for them, Kiss FM, okay? Right. And it's the same thing in Wi-Fi. You're not allowed but to only use certain radio bands or frequencies. And this is where Wi-Fi lives. Wi-Fi lives on these free bands of air, 2.4 gigahertz band or spectrum, and the five gigahertz band or spectrum. All right, and it's finite, okay? There's a beginning and there's an end. And you're not, just like on the highway, you gotta drive on the road, Don. Okay, you're not allowed to drive on the median and you're not allowed to drive on the shoulder. If there's someone in your way. You gotta drive on the road, it doesn't matter. Otherwise you'll get a ticket, you know, if you're really reckless, we might even throw you in jail. Mm -hmm. All right, so that's the really important part here is that we all share these bands. And as a result, you really have to know how to operate, you know, so that you are able to provide the best wireless experience for your customers. Okay. So now let's now that we've talked about that, let's talk about the differences in these bands. Okay, so 2.4, lower frequency, 5 gigahertz, higher frequency. All right, and it's really important that you understand the differences. Lower frequencies are gonna travel farther. Think of it as like the, or look at it as like the red sine wave that you see on your screen. That's like 2.4, it's this big wave, and it can go farther. You know, think of it as, you know, sometimes in the middle of the night, remember in the old days when you could pick up like an AM radio station, uh, you know, from the other side of the world, it's because those low frequencies find their way around the world. And now you can pick up radio stations in India or Turkey or wherever. Now, five gigahertz, a little different. Think of it, five gigahertz as the blue sine wave. It's like this little wave and it kind of peters out a little bit more quickly. All right. So these radio waves and radio waves do move at the speed of light. OK, it's just like light. But these radio waves behave differently and you have to understand propagation. Let me give you some more information on this. This is really important. You know, there is a reason why the radio in your car cuts out when you go under a bridge. It is because of the barriers to propagation. Now, there are some that are no problem at all. Like, for instance, I'm looking around the room here, Don, and I see sheetrock and I see the wood door over there, not really a problem. Okay, the radio waves can go through those surfaces just fine, mm -hmm. all right? But some real problems that we see in a lot of customers' environments are like concrete, yeah. like an older building where it's got concrete walls. Hospitals. Hospitals, so, yeah. uh, concrete walls, uh, hotels, concrete walls. Um, just, you know, older buildings in general. And what's going to happen is that the radio waves are just going to be absorbed into the concrete. It's not going to go through it. It's not going to penetrate it, just be absorbed. I mean, this is really important to know because you can have an access point in this room that we're in right here. And uh, if, if these walls were made out of concrete, uh, you could be sitting in the room right next door, 10 feet away and not get a Wi-Fi signal. And you would have no idea why you don't understand. And that wire mesh, too. I think that's the culprit or makes it even tenfold. Well, wire is is if you look at my chart here yeah. is the metal. OK, and that's the other one that you really look out for. So it's not going to be absorbed, but metal, the, the radio waves are going to reflect. OK, so, for instance, if you have metal shelving, if you have metal file cabinets, uh, anything like that, uh, you know, the metal studs in the wall, all of those things are little barriers to propagation where the signal is not going to travel as far as you think it's going to travel. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's going to either reflect or be absorbed. So whenever we go into an environment, we're always looking around. It's like, okay, where are your access points? But more importantly, where are the elevator shafts? Right. Okay, where are the stairwells? 
you got to know this. It's, you know, there could be these hidden corners where, you know, the signal is not reaching. And I see a mirror on here. So I imagine your office would have a lot of issues with all the mirrors you have in your office. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for that. All right. So now that we've got that taken care of, let's move on to the next uh, area here to kind of put these words into action. So just pretend that this is our office and this is a floor. And if you have one access point in the middle of the floor, it had two radios in it. One of them was dedicated to 2.4 and the other one was dedicated to five. It might wind up looking something like this, where you've got this inner ring, which is the blue five gigahertz. And you can see that this person right here, they're able to enjoy, you know, that signal right there. Then you have these people out on the edge and they're on the 2.4 gigahertz network and they're enjoying that just fine. And then you have this guy right here. He's right on the edge. Don, do you know which um, which uh, radio signal that this person's laptop is joining? Is it 2.4 or is it 5? Do you know? Uh, it's up to the machine. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's up to the device. Yep. It's not your decision, Don. Yeah. <laughs> I wish it were up to me. <laughs> it's not up to you. It's up to your device. Based upon the adapter driver combination that you have in your device, it is going to make that decision. Okay, now let's dig a little bit more into this. If I wanted to provide five gigahertz service across this entire floor, then I would have to add additional access points. And then I'd be able to roam or walk from one side of the building to the other, and I'd have no problem roaming from one to the next to the next and having a good experience. Okay, so just a real basic overview of how that works. And there, there's Don walking across the building right there. <laughs> I'm out of here. It's the end of the day. That's right. All right. Now, let's talk about this situation. Let's talk about congestion. So sometimes everybody will gather in a room. Maybe people are going to go uh, into an auditorium. Maybe people are just going to gather around your desk, Don, because, you know, you've got something important to say. And now all of a sudden we're having like a little um, a little gathering. Now, when you do that, Basically, it's the same thing as rush hour traffic. Now you've got all of these cars on the highway, all of these computers, and they're all trying to share one lane on the highway. And in this case, the lane is channel 149 right here. And you know what? What happens in the morning when you're trying to go to work and you see those cones or barrels come out and now you're going down into like one lane? Mm -hmm. Okay. Everything slows down, right? Yep. It's the same thing. Now, in order to alleviate this problem that we're looking at right here, what would you do? Well, you would add another lane on the highway. Right. You would add another channel. You can do this by either activating another channel in the same or another radio in the same uh, access point or adding another access point. Um, but the point is, is that now you want to spread the load. You know, it's always great when I'm traveling up 77 North when I come to uh, work every day. And there's that point right when I'm around Brexville where it goes from uh, two lanes to three. Oh, I love that. And I'm just like <laughs> waiting to get left. And then as soon as that third lane comes, bam, I'm there and I'm just I'm pedal to the metal. Yeah. And you're blasting your rock and roll, whatever you crazy kids listen to these days. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so now let's continue along this path of talking about channels and using this analogy of being on the highway, okay? So remember right, what I said, it's like these bands of spectrum, it's like the highway. And again, you can't drive on the shoulder, you can't drive on the medium, you gotta drive on the road. And not only that, but you gotta stay in your lane, okay? And think of the lanes as like channels. 
All right. Now, this is a great photograph. And the reason why is because it really depicts poor channel planning, poor highway planning. So, Don, are you familiar with this diamond lane and what this means? The HOV. That's right. High occupancy vehicles. This is the carpool lane. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is great. Actually, not really. You've got this perfectly good lane right here that nobody is using. Everybody is jammed into these lanes over here, and they can't go as fast and as have as pleasurable a highway experience as, uh, as maybe they wish. And so it's the same thing in Wi-Fi. Okay, these channels, when they get overloaded, you know, maybe you, you, know, you need to have another channel that your cars or your devices can kind of move into in order to loosen up the congestion okay so it's the same thing you know in order to service more clients you need more channels and so you need to properly plan how you're going to use your channels and space them out so that your clients can space out spread out and go fast all right let's take a closer look at what i just discussed so here are the channels the channel plans on 2.4 and 5. Now check this out, Mr. Uh, Mr. Cook. 2.4 really only allows you three usable channels, 1, 6, and 11. Now you might be saying to yourself, well, wait a minute, Eric, what happened to 2, 3, 4, and 5? Yeah, they're in there. What happened to 2, 3, 4, and 5? Exactly. Now the problem with 2, 3, 4, and 5 is that they overlap. They would overlap with 1 and 6. Oh. Overlapping is bad in Wi-Fi. All right, you don't want to do that. It's like it causes collisions in the air, okay? And those collisions are going to re lead to retries, mm -hmm. and too many retries are going to lead to a slowing down or a stepping down of data rates. This is the same thing where if you were driving on the highway, Don, and the guy in front of you just kind of started drifting over into your lane and just kind of uh, straddling the lane, what would you do? Or I honk the horn or get, try and get out of the way. Yeah, but, tap the brakes. Yeah. Okay, you would tap the brakes and you'd slow down. Right. It's the same. Yeah, you try to get out of the way. You're slowing down. He's drifting over into your. It's the same thing, guys, in Wi-Fi. All right. When you see people using overlapping channels, it's a no-no. So realistically, there are only three lanes on this highway right here. So we call that having very low capacity. I mean, can you imagine if there were just uh, three lanes on the highway uh, on, uh, on on 490? I mean, that would be a mess. But rather, look at this below. 5 gigahertz is offering us over 20 non-overlapping channels. This is amazing. So this is basically, you know, like a 20-lane highway. And people can spread out and people can go fast. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is really exciting. And that's why, you know, we try to move people from 2.4, where it gets really crowded really quickly, and we try to move them or steer them to five gigahertz mm -hmm. now there is a technology called band steering where you turn this on and remember what i what we were talking about previously where it's yeah. actually the device that makes the decision yep. that's still the case it ultimately it's the device that makes the decision but maybe there are, there are like these little things like band steering that we can do to influence mm -hmm. the decision you know it's kind of like whispering in the ear of the computer hey you really don't want to be on two four <laughs> hey come on over here to five gigahertz Okay, and so they do things like, you know, slowing down the beacon of 2.4 or maybe speeding up the beacon of 5 so that your computer is kind of tricked into choosing 5 gigahertz. All right, so that's band steering technology. 
But we definitely want to try to get clients off to four and onto five for this very illustration that we're seeing right here. It's just it's just too crowded. Only three lanes on the highway, way too many cars, not going to work. Everybody's going to go slow. 20 lane highway down here, much, much better. And there's even some additional things that you can do on five gigahertz, which are kind of fun. So check this out. One of the things that you can do is you can even bond channels together to create these super lanes. Okay, so for instance, you can take two 20 megahertz wide channels, bond them together and create a 40 megahertz wide channel right here. And we call that HT40 for high throughput 40. And when you do that, you literally double, you literally double the ability or, to go fast. Uh, on this, um, you double the ability to to uh, go fast on this lane right here. Okay. If your client is capable of going that fast. Right. Okay. But because that's another leg in the stool. Now over here on the on the right, look at this. You can take four channels, bond them together, and now you have something called VHT80. What do you think VHT stands for? Very high uh, throughput. Very good. Wow. That's VG. <laughs> very good. Thank you. VGD. Very good, Don. <laughs> Okay, so VHT80, that's an 80 megahertz wide channel, okay, not recommended for enterprises, all right? Why? Because when you do that, you're cutting down on the overall number of available channels. So that's not necessarily a smart idea. If you're in a big room uh, or like an auditorium uh, or, a, or a lecture hall, or if you're in a... Um, uh, uh, in, a, in a hospital, you would never want to do this because you've got client devices everywhere and now they're all going to have to share this one big thick uh, channel when in fact they could all be spreading out and having their own little channel where they can all go just fine and fast. All right, so this is, this is not a good practice in enterprises. This might be fine at home, okay, although if you live in an apartment building, it's probably not fine. And a lot of the home routers that people buy today, they kind of by default create these 80 megahertz wide channels. And it could be interfering with other folks in your building who are living above you, below you, and beside you. Is that what the mesh networks do or is that something else? Well, they, they, the, the, well the mesh networks are something else. Okay. Okay. So I, you know, we, we, we won't get into mesh networks today. We won't get into mesh networks <laughs> okay. today. Exactly. Okay. So it's a little bit different. But just from a, from a corporate standpoint, this is something that you know you want to be careful of. All right, let's move on. The next thing that we're going to talk about is noise. Okay, now remember what I said, Wi-Fi is radio. Okay, and so just because we can't hear it doesn't mean that it's not in the air and it's operating. It's just like, you know, can you hear a bat screech? No, you can't, the frequency is too high. That's right. You're shaking That's your right. head like, oh no, I've heard a couple of bats before. <laughs> No, no, I, I think those were birds. Oh, they were birds, yeah. yeah not birds. bats. Okay. We so don't have bats in Florida. You well, can, maybe we do. <laughs> you can't hear two, you know, things traveling over 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. It's just the frequencies are just way, way up there, way too high. So just imagine this for a second, Don. You were listening to your radio, okay, jamming to your favorite podcast, mm -hmm. all right, and then somebody else comes along. And they turn and they're listening to music or they and then somebody else comes along and they're listening to a podcast and you're trying to hear me talking to you. And now you can't even hear me anymore. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be like, Eric, I can't hear. Can you say that again? That's like a retry. Remember, we were talking about retries yeah. a few minutes ago. OK, what? What did you say? And retries are bad because when I have to retry, retry, then what's going to happen is a stepping down of data rates. 
to slower and slower data rates in order to try to cut through the noise. Ah. All right, I can't go fast. Um, going back to our highway analogy, what I like to say is if you're trying to get up a steep hill, you're not going to be able to do it in fifth gear. There's no way. Or sixth gear. You have to downshift into second gear or first gear in order to cut through that gravity, in order to cut through the noise and get up that hill. It's the same thing in Wi-Fi. In order for the radio signal to kind of cut through the noise, what, winds up, what it winds up doing is negotiating a slower, more robust data rate between your device and the access point. And by doing that, it's able to cut through the noise, but you're ex and it's able to remain connected. Yep. But your experience is one that is just whoa. And you're going to be calling so and so up and saying, "What is up in the Wi-Fi? It is slow as a dog." And it could be because of this noise, this interference in the air. All right. Now, one tendency that you might have is, hey, well, why don't we just turn up the volume, all right? Let's, let's, let's increase the signal in order to overcome the noise, and that's what we call SNR, signal-to-noise ratio. If there's a lot of signal to overcome the noise, then I've got all, then I can hear again, mm -hmm. and I can hear, but, you know, that's really not a good practice. And the reason why this isn't a good practice to just turn up the volume on your radios is that it causes a cascade effect where now you're interfering with your neighbors. Yeah. All right. And then they're going to turn up the volume. And then it's just a big muddy mess, you know, kind of like what you see on the screen here. It's just a big muddy mess. Nobody can hear anybody. And you have a terrible, horrible Wi-Fi network. Yep. Okay. So what you want to do, and this is kind of like what 2.4 is like, quite honestly, Don. 2.4 is like it's really noisy. There's power fluctuations. It's hard to hear. You got data rates going up, going down, and everywhere in between. And really what you want to do is you want to move people over to five gigahertz where, you know, everybody can spread out and everybody's got their own channel or, you know, so to speak. And then, I, you know, I can hear you loud and clear. All right. You can mm -hmm. just enjoy your podcast. And you know that little feature in the podcast where you can make it faster? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can like Love do that. Do you? Yep. It kind of helps you get through the yep. podcast quicker. Well, you could even do that and uh, you'd be able to hear it just fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Isn't that nice? Yes. So when I compare the spectrum bands, you know, to give another analogy, 2.4 is like going into a noisy sports bar, okay? Like you don't want to go watch some football this weekend, you know, watch your Philadelphia Eagles lose in the playoffs. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. And, you know, there's just going to be there's going to be noise and it's going to be hard to hear and you got people cheering or you got people yelling. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not necessarily the, the right environment. If you move on over to five gigahertz, this is like you and your wife, Erin, going out. This kind of looks like you, actually. Right. Going out <laughs> and having this beautiful, lovely meal together where you can talk and speak clearly and eloquently to one another. Mm -hmm. And you can really get a lot done. So, you know, what's the experience that you want? There you have it right yeah, there. Yeah, I, I think 5G. 5G is a great experience. All right. All right, now, the next thing that I'm going to cover in our little Wi-Fi 101 here is a little bit more of a advanced topic, but I think it's really important to talk about uh, because it's just something that we at 7Signal see everywhere. So we have to talk about it, and that is RRM, Radio Resource Management. Okay? Your access points in your environment have this feature called RRM, where the access points try to automatically detect interference around them. And what they will do is they will change channel or they will increase or decrease power 
in order to change the size of the cell. And they do this to try to avoid that interference. And this thing is happening and you don't even know it's happening. It's ha again, you can't see it. Okay, and all of this fluctuating and channel changing. And I'll tell you what, Don, sometimes these algorithms, they work really well and sometimes they don't. Right. <laughs> and it gets out of hand. And sometimes you can even end up with a situation like this where you've got three adjacent access points that are all on channel 36. Now, why is this bad? This is the equivalent, going back to the highway, of you got three lanes on the road, and then all of a sudden, here come the orange cones, here come right. the orange barrels, and now everybody's got to fit down into one lane. Okay, that's what this is right here, what you're looking at. And what's going to, I mean, major bottleneck, major slowdown. You cannot squeeze comfortably all of those cars into that one lane. And that's going to be a major congestion issue. And it's caused by what, this condition here, which we refer to as co-channel interference. Okay. Do you know, Don, what the number one interferer of Wi-Fi is? The number one interferer of Wi-Fi. I'll give you the answer so that nobody has to uh, listen to you think. Yeah, it's, loud. it's getting loud in here. <laughs> <laughs> it's other Wi-Fi. Ah. Okay, other Wi-Fi. So there's Wi-Fi signals above you, below you, around you. You've got what we call noisy neighbors. It's the guy across the hall. Like we uh, actually work here in a multi-tenant building where we have mm -hmm. this first floor here on this side of the hall, but then somebody else is on the other side of the hall. Their Wi-Fi network could be interfering with yours if it's on, for instance, channel 36. And that's why you need systems and tools in order to know what is going on in the air. Okay, and obviously that's what we try to provide. Oh, so now for our next thing, it's time to play. Don, are you ready? Yes, I'm okay, ready. Okay, it's time to play which would you buy? Are you ready? So now we're going to okay. kind of segue into devices a little bit here now that we've been talking about access point problems and such interference. But now it's time for which would you buy? Now, Don, I see that you're kind of shifting in your chair. You're getting yourself prepared and comfortable, and I appreciate that because this is a tall task. I want you to evaluate these two laptop computers here that I took off of the internet. They are similar but a little bit different. Now all things uh, being equal except for what you see here, if they both cost the same amount of money, Don, mm -hmm. which would you buy? Well, I'm a Mac user, but if I had to buy one of these too, <laughs> nice. I, I would look for the processor, right? Don't, isn't that what you do? Yeah. Okay, so which one would you uh, buy? So I think the i5 processor. That's right. right. So look at this. They're both 15-inch laptops. They both have a terabyte hard drive. They both have four gig of memory. This one is a faster processor. And if I was an uneducated consumer walking into the store and I saw that little card that they have next to the laptop, I would see something that looks just like this. And I would see that that, hey, you know what? This one looks like it's a great deal. It's the yeah. same price and it's a faster processor. Don, I'm sorry to say that you would have chosen poorly. Blast. Exactly. And the reason why is because the laptop that you chose on the right isn't even capable of getting on to a five gigahertz network. Ah. Okay. It has what we call a BGN adapter in it. You know, some would say you were withholding this information from me. Well, I was withholding this information from you. I think the, the storefront. The store was, right. This is what's right. On, oh, that's what's on the label. Right? That's right. Yeah. This is just what's on the label. You have to look more closely. You have to look more carefully in order to make sure that you're getting the best deal, that you're buying the computer that's actually going to provide you the service that you so desperately desire and deserve. Yes. Now, 
when I say you need to know what to look for, Don, what I want you to look for when the next time you buy a computer or maybe you're going to buy a, a computer for a loved one, because I know you're a Mac user, mm -hmm. okay? but I want you to look for the letter A. Could you do that for me, Don? I, I will do that for you. Okay, I want you to look for the letter A because of A, me, that's the 802.11 um, amendment mm -hmm. that symbolizes or recognizes support for 5 gigahertz. All right, so if this said A, B, G, N, you'd be okay. If this said A, G, N, you'd be okay. If it said A, N, you would be okay. Just, you gotta have the letter A. Now over here on the left, you can see this is wireless A, C, so you're fine. Okay, you're absolutely fine. And most of the things today have this wireless A, C. And obviously this spreads across the other things like the scanners and pickers and that kind of stuff. So unfortunately, it sounds like, you know, being on a lot of these customer calls that our engineers aren't, aren't on those purchasing decision type calls for the devices. You know, maybe they should be for something like That's that. That's exactly right. Because you know what? You can be thinking you're getting a good deal and you're going out, you're getting a picker scanner, laptop, tablet, whatever it might be. And it just does not have the capabilities that you require. So be on the lookout. Okay. Now, the next thing I want to talk about here is, well, how do I even know what my device's capabilities are? Okay, well, this is what I do. What I do is I open up a network shell on my computer. So I open up a command prompt and then network shell is this net sh command. Okay, and then I type in this WLAN show interface and then I get all of these goodies right here. So I can see the type of wireless adapter I have. I can see what I'm connected to. I can see that I've got AC uh, down here. I'm connected to an AC network. I can see what channel I'm on. I mean, this is totally awesome. Now, what I do next in order to understand, well, what are the capability, more capabilities of my computer is I just take the uh, name of my adapter, which is right here, Intel Dual Band Wireless AC, and I just Google that with the word specs after it, and I get even more information. So not only do I see that it's an AC, I see that it's a dual band, I see that it's a two by two. This is interesting. Two by two, that's the number of transmit and receive antennas that are in my computer. And usually that's also accompanied with another number two, which would be the number of spatial streams. Okay, now, if you if basically the way that you want to think about this is um, you remember when we were talking about the uh, 20 megahertz wide channels versus the 40 we were doubling the lane of the highway so that like if I wanted to I can go even super duper fast well it's the same thing here a two by two device with two spatial streams can go twice as fast twice literally twice as fast as a device that only has one spatial stream mm. So, you know, again, look at the details here. You may buy, be buying the most expensive router in the world for your house, but if your computer is not capable of going as fast as your router, then you're out of luck. Right. Okay. Everything's got to line up. Not only that, but you might be connected at a, um, you know, 866 megabit per second data rate. And your computer is a three by three, like a MacBook Pro, like what you have right here in front of me, and it can go that fast, but you may only be paying in your house for 50 megabits per second. That's your bottleneck. I right. mean, you're gonna be throttled. You can't go as fast as, you have to know all of the elements of the equation right. in order to get a good Wi-Fi experience, okay? And that brings us to the home stretch. 
before we get to a couple of questions here in the few minutes we have left. Yep. Don, if you want to have a great Wi-Fi experience, okay, it could be what's going on in your environment. Remember, we talked about barriers to propagation, mm -hmm. metal, concrete. It could be your ISP. I just told you that, you know, your your connection out to the Internet could be wrong or, or slow. It could be your device. Uh, remember, we talked about device capabilities, whether it be the adapter, the driver, and what it's capable of, whether it can get onto 2, 4, or 5, mm -hmm. more importantly, 5, whether or not it decides to stick or roam. And then finally, it, in fact, could be your network, where there are bottlenecks on the wired side of the network that are causing issues. So really, you've got to know all of these things in order to provide a great Wi-Fi experience. And we talked about congestion and interference as being some of the top dogs, uh, also the device capabilities as well. Okay, so with that, I wanted to uh, hand it back over to you, Don, and see if anybody had any questions. Yeah. I'd love to be able to uh, answer a couple in the five minutes that we have left. <clears throat> Certainly, we can do that. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with using um, this product, uh, go to webinar. You can ask us questions by using the questions drop down uh, on your display there. Um, so uh, let me pull up my screen here again. I think the handoff was much smoother this time. <laughs> I just took the control myself. Um, so I do see some questions coming in here now. Um, the first question is what changes with Wi-Fi 6? Oh, interesting. Yeah, because 802.11ac is being is actually there's a new nomenclature the the wi-fi alliance came along and they said you know what this a b g n a c stuff it's really hard for consumers to understand so why don't we try to simplify this and we'll go with wi-fi four five and six the standard that we're a lot of us are familiar with today is 802.11 ac and that's considered wi-fi five the next standard coming out is wi-fi six which is 802.11 ax so MacBooks are now coming out with AX. Um, some other some other tablets are coming out with AX. It's going to take some time for it to take hold, just like anything, maybe a couple of years. But what does it do? Okay. So AX is it's not necessarily built for greater speeds, greater uh, greater throughputs, and faster data rates. We got all the fast data rates rates we needed with 802.11 AC, but rather it introduces this really cool um, channel sharing feature and the channel fair is kind of it does this through multiplexing and this channel sharing is actually going to allow or enable devices to better share the channel in order to loosen up congestion and create more channel efficiency now by the same token when you create less congestion and you have better channel sharing it is going to allow people to go fast it's allow it will allow people to achieve higher data rates but that's really what Wi-Fi 6 is going to introduce. Now, if I have an access point in my environment, Don, which is a Wi-Fi 6 access point, mm -hmm. but I have uh, only one client on my network that's a Wi-Fi 6 client and nobody else on my network is a Wi-Fi 6, they're all Wi-Fi 5 or AC, then who are you going to share with? Right. Nobody. Nobody. Okay. So that's what I mean by the benefits of this technology uh, are really a couple years away. Once the device population, like 50% of it, uh, is on AX or Wi-Fi 6, now you're going to start to see those channel sharing efficiencies take place because there's other people for you out there with the technology to share the channel with. 
So that's really important. Yeah, to and if those enterprise devices are any indication, you know, most of those still just work, operate on 2.4. Oh, oh gosh, so yeah, that's, a, that's those really are way, bad. way behind. Um, another question here. Uh, in the ideal case, with the same hardware components, is there a data rate difference between 2.4 and 5 gigahertz bands? Uh, th there, I mean, there are um, uh, there are definitely data rate differences. Um, the uh, 2.4, um, you can only uh, depending upon the uh, protocol. So, for instance, B data rates. If you're on 2.4 B, those are going to be very low data rates. Uh, then you've got G, then you've got N. N, you can go up to, I think it's 600 megabits per second, but that's it. That's the fastest that you would be able to go. Uh, if you wanted to go uh, have higher data rates, then you have to be on 5 gigahertz in order to achieve the really super high data rates. Thank you, Eric. Uh, question here, are, are you a Zebra partner? Uh, the short answer is yes. Yes, we are. We're an ISV partner with Zebra. Thanks okay. for the question. Yeah. Um, next one here. Can you explain a bit more about the two by two mm -hmm. transmitter receiver? Sure, absolutely. So think of it like this. I'm gonna have you look at my fingers here, Don. Okay. He's like, if I've got two fingers here, all right, I can transmit with one finger and receive in with the other, or with the two streams, with the two antennas, I can do transmit, transmit with two fingers, receive, receive with the two fingers. Okay, if I've got so you're like an air, aircraft controller uh, on on the that's what the, I'm doing right here as I said across carrier. here. Yeah, yeah, I'm like I'm like I've got the two wands and I'm waving them at you like right. hey come on in come on in. Yep. So if I only have one of those, I can it's like basically only having you know one um, you know that's just one stream. But if my computer has two streams, okay, I'm basically doubling the ability to transmit and receive. If I've got three streams, just like your computer does, I am tripling. I'm literally tripling the ability to transmit or the amount of data I can transmit versus the amount of data that I can receive. And so like all, um, a lot of handheld devices are just one stream and they can only go so fast. They can't achieve the super high data rates because they're not capable. My laptop is a two by two. These days, a lot of your smartphones and your laptops are two by two. Mm -hmm. They can do two transmit and two receive to transmit simultaneously, going twice as fast. And, and once again, just to reiterate, your MacBook Pro right here, three streams, that means that you can transmit triple the amount of data and receive triple the amount as somebody who just has a one stream client. And there may be other side effects to that. So for instance, my Mac, this thing's notoriously bad at roaming. Mm -hmm. So, sure. I mean, that there's a trade off there probably. Yeah, there, you're absolutely correct because, you know, whereas on my laptop, I can go into the Intel ProSet adapter and I can change roaming aggressiveness to high. You don't even have that no. capability on your Mac. Mac or Apple doesn't uh, expose those settings to you. So you're exactly correct. Great. A lot of questions coming in here, folks. Thanks for all the questions. We're going to try and maybe we can get to them all if we do them quickly here. So uh, how do I get a de how do I get detailed information about my adapter and how it does the handover? Oh, well, um, that, yeah. So I think when he means handover, he's talking about does it have like the um, there's like these different um, amendments to the, the protocol 802.11r. Um, there's like fast roaming capability, R, V, K, things like that. Um, actually, our Mobileye product is going to be providing that information 
um, probably in just a couple of months. We're going to expose that to you. So that's kind of lower level stuff. What you would have to do is you'd have to kind of look up your adapter online. I used to go to a website called Wikidevi. I know it's not around anymore. Um, so I'm kind of um, trying to find another website where I can get details about mm -hmm. these adapters, driver combinations, and, and what they're capable of. Like going to the Intel website, you'd be able to see some of these things oh, if you okay. were to look deeper. That That's what sense. I would do. Makes sense. A couple questions around uh, getting a copy of the slides and recording. Yes, absolutely. All you need to do is email uh, me. This is Don, uh, and I'll get you a copy of those. We've got time for one more here. Um, it says, almost all devices try to connect to 5 gigahertz. Is it like 2.4 is not used anymore? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, there are a lot of devices that still use 2.4. Um, I know that, um, you know, maybe to, to a lot of people, it, it doesn't seem like it, but um, I mean, that computer that I showed you, I mean, that's for sale today. I mean, I personally think it should be a crime. We shouldn't be selling 2.4 only adapters anymore, but we are. Um, a lot of kind of like your basic IoT devices are using 2.4. Um, and, and there are benefits to it because the signal does travel farther. So people in their homes, um, people using their little IoT, like their ring doorbell or security devices, though, because those could be using 2.4. Um, not only that, but in hospitals, um, they could have these clinical IoT devices like uh, like wireless IV pumps. They're using mm -hmm. 2.4. Uh, in factories and in manufacturing facilities, those pickers and scanners, they're using 2.4 because they have older devices that aren't capable. So there is a ton of 2.4 still out there. But if you can get people off of it, try to. Yeah. Okay. Good try advice. to.